0: When your kids are in a class with other people's children, number one, it becomes a higher priority. The second thing is you are more organized.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudoir, So, Andrew, part two of the three or four best things I did as a homeschool dad. Here we go. Part two. Part two. Right. Sure. And I, I just want to say to our listeners, even if you are not homeschooling, these are just good dad suggestions In general, the first one, Andrew, that you mentioned was the value of reading
0: out loud. Yeah, and anyone can do that, Mm -hmm. whether their kids are homeschooled or hybrid school or in school or not in school or traveling the world, you know, whatever your situation is. You just make priority, carve the time out, probably in the evenings, but Mm -hmm. not necessarily. Right. Um, I know a a dad who has to work from noon to 9 p.m. Okay, And so his time with his kids is mid-morning. And so that's the priority there.
1: Right. And then the second thing that you talked about was the family meeting. This was a weekly family meeting. In your case, you did it every Sunday night. And that helped to bring your family together, literally and emotionally.
0: Right. And to help solve confusions or conflicts or problems and just to be organized. And we know. When we are more organized, we're happier. Yes, it's absolutely true. I mean, if if your room or your house is a mess, it's hard to be happy in a mess. Yes. And once you get it straightened up, you feel better. Once your calendar is clear, you feel better. Once you've communicated those things that need to be communicated, whether you get satisfaction or not is a different question. But once you've done your part, life is better.
1: And you ended your family meetings with ice cream. What could be better than that? Well, I can think of a lot of things right now, <laughs> but
0: uh, for the kids, yes, obviously. exactly. Yeah, this third one, I think, is a little more specific to homeschooling. Okay. Although I could imagine, you know, a dad doing this. But I think it's a little easier if you live in the homeschool universe. Mm-hmm. And that is teach a class.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Teach a class. I think very often, uh, especially families that come in, it's like, okay, we're going to make this big sacrifice. We're going to keep our kids home or bring them home, and dad's going to work really hard because now mom's not going to work or work as much. We're going to make this probably in many cases a financial sacrifice Mm -hmm. to educate our children at home. And so the dads get kind of focused on I'm gonna support the wife Mm -hmm. right? In financially, emotionally, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna do everything I can. But she's in charge of this endeavor. Yep. So that's kind of understandable. But I am a teacher by primary profession. I, I began as a music teacher, violin, kinder music. But I always had the frustration myself of teaching other people's children and being very, very busy doing that and then not really engaging in teaching my own children the way I knew that I probably could. Mm -hmm. And this became harder once I started IEW and started to travel. And then I would be gone for three or four or sometimes six or seven days. And that was that was a hard thing for my wife. And, yes. And she used to tell me, it's really hard when you're gone. And I just thought, well, she's just lucky I'm not like a officer on a submarine and I'm gone for six <laughs> months at a time. You know. Mm-hmm. But I I I started to realize that It was the carpenter's kids have no house, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. I'm so busy helping teach other people's children, I'm not really engaging with my own kids. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that I would try to teach a class and make it a priority. And the trick here is that I'm not just teaching my children – But I'm teaching my children along with some other people's children at the same time. Right. Because that shifts it in priority. If I said, okay, I'll teach my kids something at this day and this time, well, if anything slightly urgent would come up, it would displace that. Mm It would be like, okay, well, we can't do it this week, next week. But if I have a commitment to other people's children.
1: Human nature.
0: Then it's – it's a higher priority. Yep. And so I, I kind of got this habit early on. Uh, I started with a writing class. Mm. And I thought, I really want my kids to learn this writing program. Mm -hmm. And the only way I'm going to do that is to create this class and invite their friends, you know, so it was basically my two oldest when they were about nine and 11. And, a bunch of other 9, 10, 11-year-old girls. Mm-hmm. So I had this little gaggle of 7, 8 girls. Mm-hmm. And they came. And I put this on my schedule. And I cut out violin students from that time frame. So I'd have an hour and a half. I think the first time I did it twice a week. Mm-hmm. And then I think I gradually went to once a week mm-hmm. uh, where that's what I'm going to do. But I didn't charge anybody for it. Except if there were materials, you mm-hmm. know, what, what was my actual out-of-pocket cost? Because I didn't want to do this as part of my mm-hmm. job in the same way. You know what I mean? So anyway. This
1: was for your family. This not, was not for your business. Yeah.
0: And it was so fun. Mm. It, it was really enjoyable to have this scheduled time when my two oldest daughters and their friends – would show up and we'd do a writing class. And I was just kind of getting my feet wet with the structure and style. You know, I had taught a couple years in a school, Mm -hmm. but this was kind of a different world where it was like we're just having a class and now you get to go finish the assignment at home or whatever. And it went so well that I thought, well, there's other things I could teach. And so over the years... I would just try to work into my life time when I could do this. Mm -hmm. Now, because of being self-employed, I I had a lot of flexibility in terms of the schedule. So in my case, it was usually one afternoon a week, and I would schedule one or two or sometimes three one-to-one-and-a-half-hour classes. Mm -hmm. And I've taught, you know, in addition to writing literature Mm -hmm. which is a natural fit and and in in a very informal way it would be like let's read a book and talk about it rather than where's the curriculum uh i taught logic using using a curriculum i have taught drama i I tried that for a while yes and then i found someone who was better at that than i was and so i got her to start teaching Mm -hmm. class and and uh I've taught, of course, Latin. You've, you've watched me teach Latin for six years. Speech. Uh, speech. Mm-hmm. Definitely have done that. I even made a foray into geometry. Oh, wow. And the reason was I knew my wife was not going to want to do this. And I knew that these kids should probably have a little bit of geometry. Mm-hmm. At least you could throw it on a transcript and say you did it. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> And some of the time, I would get a program that had a video, mm. like geometry. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I had slogged through a geometry mm-hmm. textbook. Mm-hmm. So I got the Math C and I watched Steve Demi's video, and then I would go teach the lesson mm-hmm. after having watched the video. Oh. I did that with Martin Cothran's course on logic mm-hmm. and then Aristotle's rhetoric, was I, I'd watch the video a few times, and they were short there, maybe 15, 20 minutes. So I'd watch it, and then I could go teach it with a whole lot more confidence. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that because, of course, the best way to learn something is to teach
1: it. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: And I think most homeschool moms have that experience. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, this is so fun. I'm learning all this stuff that I really mm-hmm. never paid attention to or never had a chance to learn when I was younger. Right. And so as a dad, that was kind of very enjoyable as well. Mm -hmm. And so depending on when and where we were living and which kids were at home at the time, Mm -hmm. I would, you know, flex between one and maybe three. I think at one point I even went to four classes and pretty much dedicated the whole day, which I think irritated you a little bit. (laughs) Maybe
1: just a little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, but my attitude was kind of like I need to do this before these kids grow up and yeah, they're all gone. Exactly. Yep. The things I learned from teaching classes, and and by the way, I I would mention it doesn't have to be during the quote school day. Right. It can be in the late afternoon. It could be in the evening.
1: Right. We have a you know a coworker who taught robotics in the evening group of kids, programming, computer programming.
0: Yeah. It's perfect. Yep. So, you know, with, and with homeschooling, if you want to steal some time from one place and give it to another, yeah, the kids have a class from 7.30 to 9 in the evening, probably, you know, teenagers are close right. to it. Right. Well, then they can have some free time some other part of the day or sure. sleep in or mm-hmm. but with with homeschooling, it's not like you have to start at 9 and finish at 3.30, like Mm -hmm. a a normal kind of school day. I mean, we've never had that attitude. It's like do what you can when you can and flex, flex Mm -hmm. on the time. So evening can happen weekends. You could even do something. And so my advice to dads is don't necessarily try to do an academic subject unless you want to. Instead – Find something that you either know about and love or something that you want to learn.
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: I didn't know any Latin when I started (laughs) to teach it. I certainly had never read Aristotle's Rhetoric, but I thought, hey, there's the book, there's the guide, there's the video, I can do this, and maybe I'm only two steps ahead of these kids, but we will all learn something. Sure. I'm not going to be the best teacher of this in the world, but I'm the best one available. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do it, who else will? Right? And so i've I've encouraged, you know, several dads to do this. I remember one man in particular, incredible, incredible artist, mm. sculptor, blacksmith. Mm. Th- this man, his artistic ability is so far beyond anyone I have ever met, mm. it seems to me supernatural. Mm. Like, how could a human being be like this? Mm-hmm. Like Da Vinci mm. or Michelangelo, that's, wow. that's where he is in my level of esteem. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I said, okay, you should teach art to this little group of homeschool kids that I've got going here. And he's, oh, I'm really busy here. Sure. I said, any time it can be, you know, an hour, hour and a half. I think hour and a half is a little better just because then you aren't rushed. You have time for a couple jokes. That's very important. <laughs> yes. Uh, but we could do this any time. I know these kids would come. So if you want to do it on a Thursday night at 7 o'clock, they'll be there. Mm-hmm. If you want to do it on a Saturday morning – They'll be there. But I beg you mm-hmm. because I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I can't even draw stick people. And I would <laughs> love for my children mm-hmm. and other people's children to be able to connect with your incredible love for the visual arts here.
1: Well, and I think that that right there is super important is that whoever is teaching, you know, whatever you're teaching, it is better if you love it because it it comes out. And maybe you don't necessarily love Latin. I don't know. But maybe you learn to love it, but you're loving the kids and they can tell.
0: Yeah, yeah. And those are the two things. If you love the students and you love the thing, either one of them will – help you be successful. And ultimately, you may love both. Right.
1: So did he ever teach a class? He
0: did. Oh, that's so wonderful. he was planning to do it for one semester's Mm -hmm. worth. Mm -hmm. And at the end, he said, I am having such a great time. Oh, that's amazing. Could we keep going? I said, absolutely. Right. Yes, keep going. And at the end of the year, he said, this is one of the best things I never would have imagined because he didn't see himself as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And most of his work, he's pretty alone in terms of working on a sculpture. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty lonely business. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you can work on a stone sculpture for a very long time. You know, he's, he's actually said to me a few times over the years, that was one of the best things. I, I love doing that.
1: And did, were any of his kids in his class? Yes. Uh Oh, good. Yeah.
0: And that's another thing I've noticed is that when your kids are in a class with other people's children, number one, as I mentioned, it becomes a higher priority. Yes. Because you have that accountability and it's a lot harder to just cancel, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) The second thing is you are more organized. Mm -hmm. You plan what you're going to do. Because, again, you kind of have this commitment, this responsibility to the other children. It's harder to say, I'll just wing it, right? And then the third thing is you end up being a little nicer. Yes. (laughs) You know, with your own children, it's easy to get impatient. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, in your mind, you're like, how come you can't get this? Mm -hmm. But with other people's children, I think, at least I know, I'm more patient. I'm willing to... Take more time. I'll try a different way of showing or explaining or doing something, and I'll be smiling, and I'll tell jokes, and and I'm not as likely to be as pleasant or patient when it's just my kids. Mm-hmm. And there's something about having a little bit larger group that I also I find very engaging. If it's just two kids, you know, your two kids. It's hard to kind of get a good conversation going. But if you've got, I would say, somewhere between 6 and 12, then you've got more brains contributing, more imaginations at work, more good questions will come up, and everyone benefits from that.
1: Great. So do we have time for the maybe fourth suggestion? Well, I
0: I suppose. (laughs) the, The fourth one is maybe because I don't know that this would be important in every family's situation. Mm. But it did become important in one case mm. in our family. Yes. So it's kind of a maybe, maybe not, but in our case it was it was important. And that is for the dad to take over complete responsibility. For the education of a particular child during a particular period of time and in our case it was um, middle kid 12 years old worst point of Mm -hmm. obnoxious hormone zapped out arguing with mom all the time Mm -hmm. and you know that this is kind of getting to be a crisis level when you're having repeated evil conversations like. We need to put this kid in a school. Mm. She's driving me crazy. I can't get anything done. All we do is argue, and I don't know what to do about it. So this happened, Mm -hmm. and I was contemplating, what do we do? Yeah, we could put her in a school, but that adds a level of complexity to life. If you have one child, and you're trying to get back and forth from a school, and then is there a good school that you're happy with? And Mm -hmm. And then how's that going to affect the family dynamic? And mm-hmm. uh, So, you know, I have put a couple kids in school for short periods of time, but this was not a case where I thought that was a good option. So I, I basically pondered and thought, and I came up with a plan, and I said, okay, sweetie, your life is going to change radically. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, her life was kind of, it was. it went like this. She would get up in the morning whenever she wanted to, Troll around the kitchen for an hour trying to eat and Mm -hmm. do whatever. Have a schoolwork checklist. Mm -hmm. Do everything on that checklist and be totally done in an hour or an hour and a half. And then just spend the rest of the day irritating everyone in the house. And that was her life. And if you go to her and say, the quality of your work is not that great. I'm doing the best I can. How am I supposed to do any better than the best I can do? Or, well, you finished in an hour and a half. Maybe we should add a few Mm. things. I'm doing everything I have to do, and that's just not fair to make me do more than I have to do, right? So you're, Mm. okay, where do you even go with that? So I took her aside after I had developed my plan. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, we're going to make some rules here because, quite honestly, if things don't change – we're going to send you to Timbuktu. <laughs>
1: Where is Timbuktu?
0: Um, it's, I believe, in the Sahara Desert. Okay. But, uh, obviously, it's an expression. Yes, but, yes, yes. Uh, the first thing I said is you are accountable to me mm-hmm. personally for all your schoolwork. The second rule is, and this is how, this is how severe the situation was, you are not allowed to speak to your mother until noon. Monday through Friday, of course. She's like, but what if I have a problem? I said, well, number one, you can ask me. If I am not available, you can write her a note. But if you talk to her, it's a dollar a word, mm-hmm. right? And I own your bank account. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I, I needed to come up with a situation where she could do things independently. hmm So I stripped down pretty much the whole idea of curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I said, your job is to study four hours a day. That's your job. Within that, I really don't care a whole lot what you study, but that's your job is to study four hours a day. And I I gave her this piece of paper that my very first – real boss. Mm -hmm. Like when I got my first real job, not McDonald's or a pet store, but when I had a job where I had to get things done Mm -hmm. and it was a full-time work responsibilities, working in an organization, she gave me this thing. Mm -hmm. So it's a piece of paper that has a blank space for every 15-minute slot of the day from, in that case, it was from 7 in the morning until 10 at night. Mm -hmm. And I had to fill in every 15 minute block with what I was doing. Right. It was painful. It was eye-opening. It was awful, but it was good. And, you know, of of the whole couple years I worked there, this is a nonprofit organization. I was kind of like a volunteer, but it was a full-time mm-hmm. thing. I look back and think, Phew, That was one of the most powerful parts of that experience.
1: Right. There is a book called The One Life Solution that I've read, actually part of my MBA program. And included in that is something called A Time Audit. Mm. And the author of the book doesn't recommend that you do it for two years, Andrew, but at least for two weeks so that you can see how much time you're doing. So I think a time audit is good for everyone at some point in their life to kind of look at and see what they're doing.
0: Well, I, I created this forum. And I said, you have to do this, Mm -hmm. record every 15 minutes of what you're doing until you have accomplished four hours Mm -hmm. of cumulative study. Mm -hmm. And then here's the things you can study. Now, we had a math program that would usually take her 20 to 30 minutes. That was going pretty well. Mm -hmm. And then I I basically said, we're not doing textbooks. We're not doing tests. This Mm -hmm. is the way this is going to work. I want you to study a person every day. And I want you to study a part of the body every day. I thought, okay, 12 years old, you know, anatomy. Mm -hmm. And, And people are interesting because they have a narrative. They're also connected with history. So together, we made a list of a couple dozen people that she thought or I thought would be interesting to learn about. I put them in chronological order and I basically said, start with the first person on this list. You can study this person for five minutes, 15 minutes, five hours, five days, five weeks, five months, five years. I don't care. You can spend the rest of your childhood studying one person if that's what you want. And we have a great library. We have a set of encyclopedias. We have limited internet access. And I will commit to going to the library with you and getting books. So you start with this first person. And once you are finished studying this person, this person, you go to the next person on the list. And once you're finished with that, you go to the next person on the list. When you finish the whole list, we'll make a new list.
1: So did you require any report or any accountability? Yeah. So there
0: was that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then where there was the body part. So I went to the encyclopedia, human body, mm-hmm. and I just made a list of, you know, organs and systems. Mm-hmm. I think the for some reason the first one on the list was pituitary. Oh, interesting. I said you can study the pituitary for Five minutes, 15 minutes, five hours, five weeks, five months. I don't care. And when you're finished, go to the next thing. And you have to write a paragraph. Mm -hmm. Now, fortunately, by 12 years old, this kid could write pretty well because, Mm -hmm. you know. Here we are. That was my business. And you have to write a paragraph about what you learned about the person, a summary. Mm -hmm. And you have to write a paragraph about what you learned about the body part, Mm -hmm. a summary. So every day you have to fax me, and I put a fax machine in her bedroom, Wow, with the phone cord cut off <laughs> uh, and i I want and it was this fax that goes into my computer, mm-hmm. so wherever I am in the world, I'm going to get this fax from her mm-hmm. every day with two paragraphs and a time log, mm-hmm. and then I had a little form that had her you know. Basically, she could write whatever she wanted about her attitude or how she was feeling or any frustration, some way to communicate with mm-hmm. me. And and then she said, well, what about reading books? I said, good point. We made a list of books. I said, these books will qualify as study. Mm-hmm. If you read a different book, that's on your own time. And if you want to Petition me to add a particular book to this list of books that qualify as study, we can have that conversation. Mm-hmm. But this is really all I care about is, you know, you learning to study. Curriculum other than that did not, was not important to me at all at this particular point in time. Sure. Right. And it was absolutely transformative. Hmm. I mean, it was revolutionary. First of all, my wife did not send her off to Timbuktu, right? <laughs> and it was it was as though you know when when girls get to be a certain age, they just need a little bit of space from their mothers, and this really helped a lot because she didn't talk to her mother except I think after a while she kind of cheated, but. Things were improved. Mm -hmm. So we had changed the context of communication. Mm -hmm. And there were lots of little insights. I remember calling home one time and uh, talking to her. I was on the road and uh, I said, how's it going? She goes, dad, I realized something today. I said, what did you realize? She said, I realized I spent one hour and 45 minutes eating snacks. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) You know those uh, visa commercials? You yes. Know, priceless. Yes, yes, exactly. That was one of those moments. Yes. You could nag her yeah. and say you're always in the kitchen, you're always eating, you know. Mm-hmm. But for her to realize that. And I feel like this whole system lasted about a year and a half. I suppose I could go look in my files somewhere mm-hmm. and look at the faxes and see when they ended. I feel like this whole system lasted maybe about a year and a half. And, of course, she got through the worst of being 12, 13. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, by 15, this child was the most self-directed, internally motivated Mm -hmm. of all the kids. Mm -hmm. And it was part she had that freedom to pursue what was most interesting. She, you know, did then get kind of a high school curriculum so that we could create a transcript if needed and Mm -hmm. all that. But by the age of 15, you look at her and think, wow. She uses her time very well, wow. She's pretty much always engaged in learning something, mm-hmm. and you know by by that time there very little direction was needed. It was more like a support. She'd be like, "I want to learn about this, okay, let's help you do that mm-hmm. rather than you have to do mm-hmm. this, Yep. so. You know, that was one of the seven children and one circumstance and one situation. But I look back on that and say, you know, I'm grateful that I was inspired with this particular strategy. Yep. And and just to finish up, you know, uh, this particular daughter decided that she wanted to get married Mm -hmm. at 18. Okay. And I said to her, I had a little conversation, I said – I am not opposed to young marriage. I I see a lot of benefits. I really love your potential husband. Mm -hmm. He's he's three years older and very mature, very responsible. Um, But if you do get married, there's a good chance that you will have kids sooner. You may not have the same opportunity to go to college as some Mm -hmm. of your older sisters. Are you thinking about that? Are you okay with that? And she said to me, Daddy, you taught me how to learn anything I want to learn. Hmm. So why would I waste my time and your money going to college? Which, you know, in her situation, that was appropriate. She didn't have a particular aspiration to, Mm -hmm. you know, be a doctor like one of my other Mm -hmm. children or to go away. Mm -hmm. She wanted to start adult life in this way. sure. But I think her awareness, and and to this day, I think she's the one that if any of the kids have a question about something, they'll probably ask her. And if she doesn't already know, she'll quickly figure it out and they'll have a conversation. So she kind of has this this role among the adult girls mm-hmm. of being kind of a A focal point for information. Information. I love that. And uh, she gets still so excited about the things she's learning. So, anyway, that may or may not be something a dad needs to do. Right. But I think if if we were to look back, my wife would say that saved me. Yep. In a lot of ways.
1: And yeah, we're out of time. I just want to add one little thing to what you said, Andrew, Mm -hmm. because my husband is a math guy, (laughs) and he did math with my boys mm. so that even t- just taking that one subject really helped so well thank you Andrew I know that the dads that are listening perhaps there are a few
0: will or there might be some dads who hear it after the moms who've heard it suggest yes, that their dad yes. has been listen
1: but I will say to those dads happy father's day thank you for what you are doing to instill goodness and virtue in the lives of your children thank you Andrew thank you Julie thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher or Spotify, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Here you can also find show notes and relevant links from today's broadcast. One last thing, would you mind going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast? This really helps other smart, caring listeners like you find us. Thanks so much.